The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Person extending the play, still on his feet, and he throws a terrible pass. It's picked off by the Hawkeyes. Oh, a big mistake in Tanner Miller. Gonna make him pay. Miller down the right sideline. He's gonna score. Any other quarterback would have been sacked, but Persa stays on his feet long enough to make a mistake. Tanner Miller, 98 yards on that interception return for a score. Oh, that'll just rip your guts out if you're Northwestern. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeye star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's win over Northwestern and previews the homecoming game against Indiana. This program also features game notes and key stats, plus the weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our three weekly programs this year, which include regulars Brent Balbonat and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. Be sure to check out Brent Balbonat's press box report from the Northwestern game and tomorrow's release of the reporter's notebook. The Iowa Northwestern game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Eric Collins and Chris Martin. A very nice job calling this contest. I think Martin is the best analyst on the Big Ten Network. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa, Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. Looking back at the Northwestern game, sometimes game stats tell the story, occasionally they don't. As the old cliche goes, the only statistic that really matters is the final score. That was the case Saturday evening when the Iowa Hawkeyes outlasted the Northwestern Wildcats in a shootout at Kinnick Stadium and in the process won their first Big Ten Legends Division contest. Anyone who reviewed those stats without knowing the final score would undoubtedly assume Northwestern won the game. Not only did the Wildcats win almost every important statistical category, they dominated them. This year, we've been highlighting most meaningful and most meaningless stats. This week, all of these qualify as most meaningless. First downs, NU 29, Iowa 17. Passing yards, NU 342, Iowa 224. Total offense, Northwestern 495 to Iowa's 379. Offensive plays, an unbelievable 92 for Northwestern to Iowa's 50. And possession time, 38-23 for the Wildcats, 21-37 for the Hawkeyes. Third down conversions, NU 16 of 22, Iowa 1 of 7. The most meaningful stat, the final score. Iowa 41, 
NU31. This game also illustrated the peaks and valleys of major college football. The previous Saturday at Penn State, Iowa looked like a team that had lost its identity, especially on offense where they went without a touchdown. Fans were questioning the coaching staff and players. One week later, the offense did something few thought was possible, win a shootout against a Northwestern team with one of the most potent offenses in the Big Ten. In the process, they also exacted some revenge by breaking a three-game losing streak to the Wildcats and giving Hawkeye seniors their first win over the conference foe from Evanston. Scoring 24 fourth quarter points, Iowa improved to 47-23-3 all-time against Northwestern. The Hawkeyes have now scored 31 points or more in five of their first six games this season. This game also saw three runs of 24 points, two of those runs by the Hawks and one by the Wildcats. The teams combined to score 24 first-half points and then doubled that with 48 points scored in the second half. One of the big plays came in the first quarter when sophomore safety Tanner Miller had a 98-yard pick-six off of NU quarterback and Iowa nemesis Dan Persa. That tied the all-time Iowa record for longest interception return. Senior wide receiver Marvin McNutt also tied Iowa's record for career touchdown receptions with a 35-yard TD catch in the fourth quarter, and he ended the game with six receptions for 87 yards. And wideout Keenan Davis also had a TD catch, his for 47 yards, the longest in his career, and he finished with five catches for a team-high 109 yards. Davis has had TD catches in four of Iowa's last five games. Quarterback James Vandenberg had a good game with the exception of one interception. He threw 14 passes for 124 yards with two TDs, and he nearly scored on a brilliant naked boot late in the fourth quarter to set up the TD that sealed Iowa's win. Running back Marcus Coker had another solid game, running through gaping holes opened by Iowa's offensive line. Coker rushed 22 times for 124 yards and two TDs with a very impressive 5.6 yards per rush average. It was the third time this season and the fifth in his career when Coker has rushed for more than 100 yards. The Hawkeyes were 4 of 5 in the red zone with two TDs and two Mike Meyer field goals. And senior linebacker Tyler Nielsen led the Hawkeyes defense in tackles with 12 after moving from outside to middle linebacker covering for the injured James Morris. Great story. Compelling and rich. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeyes Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's win over Northwestern and previews the Indiana game. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. Your initial thoughts after the game and what are the positives and negatives we can take away from the win over Northwestern? Well, I mean, obviously it was a great game, big, great Big Ten win and, um, you know, kind of a tale of two different games when we uh, did some things extremely well, I thought, at times, and then, you know, when it got back to a 17-17 game, I was actually somewhat concerned, and then Iowa just went on a really long, sustained drive and, and really kind of took over the game there late and, and uh, kind of showed their physicality. So it was a, lo a lot more positives than negatives, and, um, you know, started to make some big plays, which is kind of one of the things we need to be doing if we're going to, you know, win the next four, five, six games. Iowa beat Northwestern for the first time in three seasons. They scored their first fourth quarter points against the Wildcats since 2007. In your career, both at Iowa and in the NFL, were you a part of any trends like this? And how much of an impact do trends like these have on a player or on a team? And do they hinder preparation or are they more a source of motivation? 
You know, I, I would think they're probably more motivation, more motivational than they are. Because I mean, each each year, each team's different. I mean, you can't put stock in what's happened five, six years ago, or three years ago, even, or even last year. Uh, but ultimately, I think what the issue is is schematically, you have certain schemes that are effective against us, and, and we're effective against other schemes. So, you know, I think those kind of matchups are, are, are kind of what's the big deal, and and ultimately, you got to adapt and, and make changes and and uh, you know figure out the way to, to, to you know correct the issues you've had in the past and, and you know fortunately for us we you know we made enough plays I mean Northwestern did some things effectively offensively but uh, uncharacteristically they made some mistakes and you know the first one early was a huge it was a 10-point swing I mean they were going to score their points there and then Iowa gets the pick six so it's a big turnaround. Uh, numbers wise it looks like Northwestern should have Cruise to a win. Uh, the Wildcats put up 31 points, had 29 first downs. They ran 42 more plays than Iowa with a total of 92. Um, they converted 16 of 22 third downs, and yet Iowa won. Have you ever seen a game where the key statistics were so meaningless? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, it happens periodically, and part of it is, I mean, if you look, Mich or Northwestern was really just taking the dink and dunk, and, and they were really having to earn every yard that they got. I, mean, I thought Iowa did a nice job of stringing out the options, stringing out some of that stuff that they were running, uh, you know, making them take the three-yard completion. And, and then ultimately, at Iowa, at times at Iowa, just made it look really easy, you know, when they were hitting McNutt or hitting Keenan Davis on the post routes on, off the play action. I mean, it looked extremely easy at, for us offensively at times, and I think it you know, all 88 snaps or whatever it was for Northwestern seemed like they really, really had to work hard to get whatever they could get. Kirk mentioned that despite the numbers and points amassed by Northwestern, the defense did their best job of the year at containing the QB. Um, do you agree, and what did you see, anything specifically in terms of containment? I thought they did a great job. I thought, uh, for the most part, you know, they kept Purse in the pocket. Uh, obviously, Purse is probably a half a step slow, which was huge a couple times when he was trying to break the pocket. Uh, when, they, when the other guy came in as a, run, as a quarterback, he was extremely talented. He did some effective things against us. But even then, I thought we controlled him and didn't let him get some huge plays. So, uh, and, I, and I thought our new defensive end was phenomenal. I can't even remember what his name was, but he, he was doing an incredible job. Uh, our right defensive end of, of, you know, when things were trying to bounce to the left, I mean, running the quarterback down, running the running back down and not letting him get the edge. It was pretty impressive performance by, by him and, you know, and the defense as a whole. I read one analysis of the game that felt Norm Parker was clearly outcoached for much of the game. It cited Northwestern's offense not only playing matchups and coming out on top, but you know, how effectively they created matchup problems. Specifically, they mentioned numerous times a linebacker ended up failing to cover Jeremy Ebert on third down. It also talked about how the DBs were giving Northwestern a cushion that extended beyond the first down line. In your opinion, are these assessments of Norm Parker being outcoached correct? I would have to say no. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, you know, that's what Northwestern's going to do. They're going to take what you give them, uh, and, and sometimes you have to give certain things in, in your defense. And, and if you don't, now you're susceptible to over the top, you're susceptible to corners or, or conversions on the outside. And, and, you know, that's the one thing that always scared me about Northwestern is they're smart enough to continue to, to find those areas and continue to hit them. And then ultimately, uh, you know, they will catch the ball and the other teams will drop it or a ball will get batted on a critical third down and, and Northwestern's always had the knack to be able to convert those and I thought they still did a nice job. I mean they, they were tight throws, 
and, and he was throwing bullets in there, and those guys were catching the ball effectively. I thought they did a great job of making plays when they when they presented themselves. But even then, I was only giving them four or five yards of pop and, and kind of waiting for them to make a mistake. And ultimately, you know, they didn't score enough points to beat us, so it's an effective job defensively. Like I said, the reason I don't think we had as many snaps offensively is because when we did get it rolling, <clears throat> you know, we were scoring pretty, you know, some of the play-action passes we scored really quickly, and so that puts Northwestern back out in the field right away. Uh, it's nice to see Marvin McNutt finally get into the Iowa record books. You know, amazingly, it took only two and a half seasons. Uh, your thoughts on his play and his development? Just, he's an amazing athlete. He's an amazing football player, and, uh, you know, obviously he's a, a great tool to have on offense and, and a guy that defensively you got to be aware of, but obviously we got we can't get away from that just because we know guys are going to cover him. We still got to try to get him the ball. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a weapon. He can do great things for you, and you got to find ways to, to make sure he's in, involved in the offensive scheme. Um, this season, for the most part, and even in a game that saw them score 41 points, it seems like Iowa's offense hasn't been utilizing the tight end nearly as much as they used to. Have you noticed that, and why might this be? Yeah, the tight end and the fullback have, have been somewhat gone from this offense and uh, have not been a, a factor as far as you know making the big plays that you know are going to help us win. And, and ultimately, hopefully, that's something that continues to develop and we'll start seeing the tight ends get down the seams, get vertical, get on the corners, uh, you know, and, and have a more, you know, obviously the more impact they can have, that, that's going to free up the guys on the outside. You know, it's going to give those guys more one-on-one -on -one coverage and so we need to get more production out of those two positions. From my view, it looked like probably the offensive line's best game of the season. Coker really looked like his vintage self, the one we saw in the bowl game. Uh, your thoughts on the offense against Northwestern? Yeah, I thought they did a great job. I thought the offensive line kept Vandenberg clean for the most part and, and did a good job with protections. Uh, when they did bring pressure, I thought we either were throwing hot or we were throwing uh, where they were picking it up. So uh, I thought it was very, very effective from a pass blocking standpoint. And then from a run blocking standpoint, I thought, you know, we were doing kind of what we do. We were creating, you know, three, four-yard runs early, and those started to turn into six or seven-yard runs late. And, and a lot of times I was watching the safeties come down and, and they didn't want anything to do with Coker, you know, late in the third and early in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was running physical. You know, those guys were coming in to make the tackle, but they weren't coming in very aggressively. After the Big Ten update, Marv previews Indiana and talks about teams preparing for games in which they are heavily favored. Power formation, Coker barrels his way in for the score. That's the first time in four years that Iowa has scored in the fourth quarter against Northwestern. Well, you used the right word, power and physicality, just pushing Northwestern around up front. And that drive, running the ball down their throat, capping it with a touchdown to their bell cow, Coker. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day.
In our Big Ten update this week, the conference leads all conferences at this point in the season with six teams ranked in the top 25 in the initial BCS standings. Wisconsin leads the way at number six and is the only undefeated team left in the Big Ten. There are only 10 teams in the country that remain undefeated at this point in the season. Three teams are undefeated in conference play, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State. The Big Ten is the only conference with half of its teams having just one loss or less. Three squads are 6-1 and one through last Saturday's games, and two are sitting at 5-1. and one. The conference already has four bowl-eligible teams, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan, and two more will become bowl-eligible if they win this weekend, Michigan State and Nebraska. The Big Ten remains tied for the national lead with six top 25 teams in one or more of the three polls, USA Today, AP, and Harris, with the Badgers leading the way ranked fourth in all three polls. Nebraska, Michigan State, Michigan, Illinois, and Penn State are the other Big Ten ranked teams. This Saturday, the teams leading the Legends and Leaders divisions will face off against each other as Wisconsin travels to Michigan State for a game under the lights. The Spartans were the only team to defeat the Badgers in the regular season last year. The other interesting game comes Saturday night when Penn State plays Northwestern in Evanston. Both of these games potentially could have a major impact on Iowa's place in the standings over the next few weeks. The only trophy game at stake this weekend is the Purdue Cannon, which goes to the winner of the Illinois-Purdue game in West Lafayette. And it seems like we talk about this almost every week, but Penn State coach Joe Paterno needs just one more victory to tie Grambling's Eddie Robinson for the NCAA Division I record for career wins. Paterno got his 407th victory last week over Purdue. Wisconsin QB Russell Wilson continues to lead the nation in pass efficiency. His teammate Monty Ball is number one in scoring per game, and the Badgers offense ranks first in the country in scoring at 50.17 points per contest. On the defensive side, Michigan State ranks first in pass defense, second in total defense, and third in rushing defense, while Wisconsin is third in scoring defense. Some of those stats are going to have to bend significantly in East Lansing Saturday evening. That sets up to be a very entertaining game. Another reason that game bears close watching is the controversy this week over what some are calling Michigan State's dirty play on defense. The Spartans were penalized six times last Saturday for unsportsmanlike conduct in their game against Michigan. Wolverines QB Denard Robinson finished that game on the bench after Spartans defensive star was William Golston was shown throwing punches and twisting Robinson's helmet while he lay on the ground. The Flames were fanned even more when Spartans defensive coordinator Pat Narduzzi told reporters after the game that that's what MSU tries to do, play 60 minutes of unnecessary roughness. This is not the first time MSU has played close to the edge on defense and its overall style on defense. The controversy popped up in its 2009 game in East Lansing against the Hawkeyes, and it's been smoldering ever since, although most Big Ten coaches won't speak publicly about it. Stay tuned. Big Ten officials on the field and in Park Ridge will undoubtedly be watching this game very closely. Next, Marv Cook talks Indiana and more. Well, looking ahead, this three-game stretch against Northwestern, Indiana, and Minnesota, it's three pretty bad teams with a combined 0-8 record in Big Ten play. You know, I asked this understanding there's no game is a given in the Big Ten. 
but can it do more bad than good in preparing Iowa for the two tough home games against Michigan and Michigan State? No, absolutely not. I think it's just the opposite. I think it gives you a chance to make mistakes and still win and learn from them. You know, and you want to make those mistakes when you can get away with them versus when you are playing in Michigan State or Michigan. It's going to give Iowa a chance to really fine-tune some things, both offensively and defensively. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's I think we're sitting in a great spot right now. I really, you know, like the way the schedule's played out. And with the exception of the Penn State game, I really think we got a chance to run the table here and, and uh, have a great, great Thanksgiving and then be looking at an exciting game on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Is it just, just for my own curiosity, is it too small of a window to start uh, any bad habits? You know, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, you know, Indiana and, and Minnesota is, is down as they may be. You know, they're still going to have talented football players. And if you get lazy, you know, I mean, here's the great thing about having depth at Iowa is if you if you don't pay attention to detail, if you don't practice well, if you don't play well, there's some guy right behind you that wants your position. And, and so, if you're not taking care of business, you're not doing what you need to be doing and you develop bad habits, there's going to be someone else in the game. And so, you know, like I said, what it gives us is the ability to go out and play two teams that we should be better than on paper, we should be better than on the field, and we can make mistakes a turnover here or there and probably still come out and win the game. So, you know, I think from those standpoints, it's going to give us a chance to continue to get traction, continue to get better, and then ultimately when we start facing, you know, the more on paper better teams, you know, we should be that much better. As a player, what was your mindset going into games against you know, what were assumed to be clearly inferior competition? And as a head coach, do you worry about your team looking beyond or underestimating their opponent? I don't think so. I mean, I think when you're playing in the Big Ten, no matter whether you're playing in Michigan, and it may be Michigan or Michigan State or Wisconsin, ultimately, a lot of times you're playing against the guy across the line of scrimmage running. And, and he may be the best player in the Big Ten. And so even though it's Northwestern, even though it's Minnesota or a down team, you may be playing against the best guy in the Big Ten at that position. And so you've got to be geared in, locked in, ready to go. And so, you know, I guess every time I looked at a game, like when we were playing a team that on paper wasn't as good as us, it was just an opportunity to go out and make plays and, and continue to get better. Uh, and then our team ultimately to get some traction and some confidence and stuff. So, uh, but, but you're right, you can't take any games for granted. You've got to play them all and, you know, assume that, you're going to get their best shot because ultimately you will. You will get their best shot. All right, well, just about halfway through the season, do you feel like Iowa has been progressing game by game? Do you like what you see? I do I do like this team. I like I like uh, the mix-up. I, I like the makeup of them. I think we got some great leadership in, in, in Vandenberg and the way he's progressing. Uh, Marcus Coker is a quiet guy, but, you know, is, is, it seemed like a, a very attention-to-detail guy. And, you know, I think our defense is, is getting better. I think we're... You know, we showed a little depth on Saturday with James Morris not being able to play and the next guy in and, and still being effectively defensively. So I like this team. I, I think coming in, if you told me we'd be 4-2 and two right here, I'd probably say that sounds about right. Now, once we lost and won, I probably wouldn't have predicted. But, but you know, I, I still think we basically control our own destiny in the, in, the, in the Legends division, and we'll see how it all shakes out. If you had to use one word to describe the team at this point, what would it be? Developing, uh, I guess, is what I would look at. And I, I think, you know, we've got a lot of inexperience. We've got a lot of guys that are, are, are you know, coming into their own and, and uh, work in progress would be the other thing I would say is, is about them. But, I, but I, I do like them. I like the makeup. I, I think it's going to be a good group by the end of the season.
Well, what should we look for next week against Indiana, and what's your prediction? Uh, it's, you know, Indiana's still searching for themselves. I mean, they're going to start getting some traction with their new coach and their new schemes. But, you know, I mean, it's kind of like Iowa showed it the other day, just too, too strong across the board, too much depth, too much physical play by our offensive front. And, and they just, you know, in my opinion, they just won't be able to stop our offense. I thought, you know, when you get the running game going and you can get the passing game going the way Vandenberg got, I mean, he was – on fire the first drive of the game. I mean, he was just picking his spots and, and completely like five or six straight passes in that first drive. And, um, you know, if you can get that going and the running game going, it just puts the defense at absolutely, you know, they don't know what to do. They don't know whether to play the run or the pass. And, and, and they get defensive and then ultimately offensively, you got a huge advantage. Any thoughts on the card stunt from the crowd? Yeah, it was, a, it was you know, it was cool. I mean, it, was, it was a neat thing. Unfortunately, it only lasts for like four or five seconds, but uh, a lot of work for four or five seconds, but a, a pretty good deal. And then ultimately a great tribute to the farmers who played such a huge role in the development of the state of Iowa and, and obviously uh, a very critical thing in the, in, the, in, the, in the world as far as, you know, feeding the people. So, you know, great message. All part of God's great plan. Vandenberg again. Western's got a problem. Demetrius Dugar with the start. Can't keep up right now with Keenan Davis. Well, this has been an epidemic for the secondary of Northwestern. It's the balls over your head. And that time, Davis doing his impression of Tim Dwight, number six, going deep. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Daily Iowan. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot on Brommel Camp show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600 ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids and at KGYMRadio.com. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. (laughs) 
Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week. And as always, special thanks to Marv Cook and to Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.